section six of an inquiry into the causes of the late increase of robbers this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. an inquiry into the causes of the late increase of robbers by henry fielding section six of laws relating to vagabonds the other great encouragement to robbery beside the certain means of finding a market for the booty is the probability of escaping punishment first then the robber hath great hopes of being undiscovered and this is one principal reason why robberies are more frequent in this town and in its neighbourhood than in the remoter parts of this kingdom whoever indeed considers the cities of london and westminster with the late vast addition of their suburbs the great irregularity of their buildings the immense number of lanes alleys courts and by-places must think that had they been intended for the very purpose of concealment they could scarce have been better contrived upon such a view the whole appears as a vast wood or forest in which a thief may harbour with as great security as wild beasts do in the deserts of africa or arabia for by wandering from one part to another and often shifting his quarters he may almost avoid the possibility of being discovered here according to the method i have hitherto pursued i will consider what remedy our laws have applied to this evil namely the wandering of the poor and whether and wherein these remedies appear defective there is no part of our ancient constitution more admirable than that which was calculated to prevent the concealment of thieves and robbers the original of this institution is given to alfred at the end of his wars with the danes when the english were very much debauched by the example of those barbarians and betook themselves to all manner of licentiousness and rapine these evils were encouraged as the historians say by the vagabond state of the offenders who having no settled place of abode upon committing any offence shifted their quarters and went where it was difficult to discover them to remedy this mischief therefore alfred having limited the shires of counties in a better manner than before divided them into hundreds and these again into tithings decennaries or ten families over every one of these tithings or decennaries there was a chief called a tithing man or burgholder who had the power to call a court and to try small offences the greater being referred to that court which was in like manner established over every hundred by these ten families says the annotator to Ripin, we are not to understand ten housekeepers but ten lords of manors with all their vassals tenants labourers and slaves who though they did not all live under their lord's roof were all counted part of his family as there were no little freeholders in those times not for long after ten such families must occupy a large space of ground and might well constitute a rural tithing but this rural tithing would be larger than the hundred itself and the very name and office of a tithing man continued in parishes to this day shows that lords of manors could not be here meant 
every one of these heads of families were pledges to each other for the behavior of all their family and were likewise reciprocally pledges for each other to the hundred if any person was suspected of a crime he was obliged to find security for his good behavior out of the same hundred and tithing this if he could not find he had reason to apprehend being treated with great severity and if any accused person either before or after his finding bail had fled from justice the whole tithing and hundred should pay a fine to the king in case of the default of appearance in a decener his nine pledges had one and thirty days to bring the delinquent forth to justice if this failed then the chief of those deciners by the vote of that and the neighbor decenaries was to purge himself both of the guilt of the fact and of being parties to the flight of the delinquent and if they could not do this then they were by their own oaths to acquit themselves and to bind themselves to bring the delinquent to justice as soon as they could and in the meantime to pay the damage out of the estate of the delinquent and if that were not sufficient then out of their own estate every subject in the kingdom was registered in some tithing only persons of the first rank had the privilege says mr epen that their single family should make a tithing for which they were responsible all archbishops bishops earls and barons and all says bracton who have soak and sack toll and team and these kinds of liberties ought to have under their friedberg all their knights servants esquires and if any of them prove delinquent the lord shall bring him to justice or pay his fine the master of the family was answerable for all who fed at his board and were of his livery and for all his servants of every kind even for those who served him for their food only without wages these were said to be of his manupast so were his guests and if a man abode at any house but two nights the master of that house was answerable for him in a word says bracton every man as well as freemen as others ought to belong to some frank pledge i e to some decenna unless he be a traveller or belong to the manupast of some other or unless he give some countervailing security to the public as dignity viz nobility order knighthood or of the clergy or estate viz either freehold in land or personal effects res immobiles if he be a citizen by the laws of edward the confessor every person of the age of twelve years ought to be sworn in a view of frank pledge that he will neither become a thief himself nor be in any wise accessory to theft this court britain tells us was to be holden twice a year which was afterwards reduced to once a year by the magna carta and no man says the mirror was by an ancient ordinance suffered to remain in the kingdom who was not enrolled in decena and had freemen for his pledges such was this excellent constitution which even in alfred's time when it was in its infancy wrought so admirable an effect that ingulfus says a traveller might have openly left a sum of money safely in the fields and highways and have found it safe and untouched a month afterwards 
nay william of malmesbury tells us the king ordered bracelets of gold to be hung up in the crossways as a proof of the honesty of his people none ever offering to meddle with them but this constitution would have been deficient if it had only provided for the incorporating the subjects unless it had confined them to places where they were thus incorporated and therefore by the laws of alured or canute it was rendered unlawful for any of the deciners to depart from their dwelling without the consent of their fellow pledges nor were they at liberty to leave the country without the license of the sheriff or governor of the same and if a person who fled from one tithing was received in another the tithing receiving him should answer for his deed i e by immersement if he was there found before this order was established says rapin the meaner sort of people might shift their quarters by reason of their obscurity which prevented them from being taken notice of but it was impossible for them to change their habitation after they were obliged to bring a testimonial from their tithing to enable them to settle and be registered in another whilst this ancient constitution remained entire such peace says lord coke was preserved within the realm as no injuries homicides robberies thefts riots tumults or other offences were committed so as a man with a white wand might safely have ridden before the conquest with much money about him without any weapon through england nay even in the tumultuous times of william the conqueror the historians tell us there was scarce a robber to be found in the kingdom this view of frank pledge remained long after the conquest for we find it twice repeated in one chapter of the magna carta and there particularly it is said fiat autum visus de frankfleg sic videlicit quod pax nostra tineatur nay bracton who wrote after that time and flater after him speak of frank pledge as then subsisting the statute of marlborough likewise which was made the fifty-second of henry the third mentions the same court as doth britain who wrote still later in many places and in the seventeenth of edward the second an act was made called the statute for the view of frank pledge nay in the reign of henry the fourth we find an immersement for not coming to a view of frank pledge and there the whole court of king's bench were of opinion that every man as well as masters as servants were obliged to repair to this court and though then possibly it was degenerated and become little more than form but in process of time this institution dwindled to nothing so that lord coke might truly say quod vera institutio ilius curice evanuit et velut umbra eustem ad hoc remene and a little after speaking of the frank pledge the decenary and the decenna he says their names continued only as shadows of antiquity nay this great man himself if after a most careful and painful perusal of all he hath writ as well here as in his fourth institute and other places on the subject i may be allowed to say so seems to have no very clear idea concerning them and might have fairly owned of the original of the lead of frank pledge what one of the sages doth of an hundred in the book of henry the seventh 
that a hundred had existed above a hundred years and therefore as to the true definition of a hundred and whether it was composed of a hundred towns or a hundred lordships and whether it had anciently more or less jurisdiction he frankly owned that he knew nothing of the matter the statute of marlborough had perhaps given a fatal blow to the true and ancient use of the view of frank pledge of which as lord coke says the sheriffs had made an ill use for in the third year of the succeeding king we find the legislature providing against notorious felons and such as be openly of evil fame that they shall not be admitted to bail and in the thirteenth the statute of winchester entirely altered the law and gave us a new constitution on this head one by this act the whole hundred is made answerable in case of robberies two in order to prevent the concealment of robbers in towns it is enacted one that the gates of all walled towns shall be shut from sunsetting to sunrising two a watch is appointed who are to arrest all strangers three no person is to lodge in the suburbs nor in any place out of the town unless his host will answer for him four the bailiffs of town shall make an inquiry once within fifteen days at the farthest of all persons lodged in the suburbs and of those who have received any suspicious persons three to prevent the concealment of robbers without the towns it is enacted that the highways leading from one market town to another shall be enlarged and no bushes woods or dikes in which felons may be concealed shall be suffered therein four felons are to be pursued by hue and cry this statute says lord coke was made against a gang of rogues then called robertsmen that took their denomination of one robin hood who lived in yorkshire in the reign of richard i and who with his companions harbouring in woods and deserts committed a great number of robberies and other outrages on the subject from this arch thief a great number of idle and dissolute fellows who were called draw latches ribauds and robertsmen took their rise and infested this kingdom for above a century notwithstanding the many endeavours of the legislature from time to time to suppress them in all these laws the principal aim visibly was to prevent idle persons wandering from place to place which as we have seen before was one great point of the decennary constitution thus by a law made in the thirty-fourth year of edward the third a labourer departing from his service into another county was to be burned in the forehead with a letter f and by the same statute if a labourer or servant do fly into a city or borough the chief officer on request was to deliver him up again in the seventh year of richard the second the justices of peace are ordered to examine vagabonds and if they have no sureties for their good behaviour to commit them to prison in the eleventh year of henry the seventh it was enacted that vagabonds and idle persons shall be set on the stocks three days and three nights and have no other sustenance but bread and water and then shall be put out of the town and whosoever gave such idle persons relief forfeited twelve pennies by twenty two henry the eighth 
persons calling themselves egyptians shall not come into the realm under penalty of forfeiting their goods and if they do not depart within fifteen days after they are commanded shall be imprisoned by the one and two philip and mary egyptians coming into the kingdom and remaining here a month are made guilty of felony without benefit of clergy and those who bring them into the realm forfeit forty by the five elizabeth the crime of felony without clergy is extended to all who are found in the company of egyptians or who shall counterfeit transform or disguise themselves as such by twenty two henry the eighth a vagabond taken begging shall be whipped and then sworn to return to the place of his birth or last abode for three years there to be put himself to labour by twenty seven henry the eighth a valiant beggar or sturdy vagabond shall be whipped for the first offence and sent to the place of his birth and for the second the upper part of the gristle of his right ear cut off and if after that he be taken wandering in idleness he shall be adjudged and executed as a felon i shall mention no more acts for several were made between this and the thirty-ninth elizabeth when the former acts concerning vagabonds were all repealed and the several provisions against them were reduced to one law this act which contained many wholesome provisions remained in force a long time but at length was totally repealed by the twelfth of queen anne as this was again by the thirteenth george the second which last mentioned statute stands now repealed by another made about six years ago i have taken this short view of these repealed laws in order to enforce two considerations first that the removal of an evil which the legislature have so often endeavoured to redress is of great importance to the society secondly that an evil which so many subsequent laws have failed of removing is of a very stubborn nature and extremely difficult to be cured here i hope to be forgiven when i suggest that the law hath probably failed in this instance from want of sufficient direction to a single point as on a former head the disease seems to be no other than idleness so here wandering is the cause of the mischief and that alone to which the remedy should be applied this one would imagine should be the chief if not sole intent of all laws against vagabonds which might in a synonymous phase be called laws against wanderers but as the word itself have obtained by vulgar use a more complex signification so have the laws on this head had a more general view than to extirpate this mischief and by that means perhaps have failed of producing such an effect i will therefore confine myself as i have hitherto done on this head to the single point of preventing the poor from wandering one principal cause of the increase of robbers as it is the chief means of preserving them from the pursuit of justice it being impossible for any thief to carry on his trade long with impunity among his neighbours and where not only his person but his way of life must be well known now to obviate this evil the law as it now stands hath provided in a twofold manner one by way of prevention and two by way of remedy as to the first the statute of elizabeth declares 
that no person retained in husbandry or in any art or science in the act mentioned after the time of this retainer is expired shall depart out of any city parish nor out of the county to serve in any other unless he have a testimonial under the seal of the city or town corporate or of the constable or of a head officer and two other honest householders of the city town or parish where he last served declaring his lawful departure and the name of the shire and the place where he served last this certificate is to be delivered to the servant and registered by the parson for two pennies and the form of it is given in the act and no person is to be retained in any other service without showing such testimonial to the chief officer of the town corporate and in every other place to the constable curate on pain of imprisonment till he procure a testimonial and if he cannot procure such testimonial within twenty-one days he shall be whipped and treated like a vagabond so shall he be if found with a forged testimonial and those who receive him without showing such testimonial as aforesaid forfeit five shillings as to the second the law hath been extremely liberal in its provisions there are two sorts one simply compulsory and two compulsory with punishment under the former head may be ranged the several acts of parliament relating to the settlement or rather removal of the poor as these statutes though very imperfectly executed are pretty generally known the nation having paid some millions to westminster hall for the knowledge of them i shall mention them very slightly in this place the statute of elizabeth together with the wise execution of it having made the poor an intolerable burden to the public disputes began to arise between parishes to whose lot it fell to provide for certain individuals for the laws for confining the poor to their own homes being totally disregarded these used to ramble wherever whim or conveniency invited them the overseers of one parish were perhaps more liberal of the parochial fund than in another or sometimes probably the overseer of the parish a was a friend or relation of a poor person of the parish of b who did not choose to work from some such reason the poor of one parish began to bring a charge on another to remedy such inconveniences immediately after the restoration a statute was made by which if any poor man likely to be chargeable came to inhabit in a foreign parish unless in a tenement of one o one a year the overseers might complain to one justice within forty days and then two justices were to remove the poor person to the place of his last legal settlement by a second act the forty days are to be reckoned after notice given in writing to the churchwarden or overseer by the poor person containing the place of his abode and number of his family but by the same statute the executing a public annual office during a year or being charged with and paying to the public taxes or if unmarried and not having a child being lawfully hired into any parish and serving for one year or being bound apprentice by indenture and inhabiting are all made good settlements without notice by a third statute persons bringing a certificate signed by the overseers and allowed by two justices 
cannot be removed till they become chargeable by a fourth no such certificate person shall gain a settlement by any other act than by bona fide taking a lease of a tenement of ten shillings per annum or by executing an annual office by a fifth no apprentice or hired servant of certificate person shall by such service or apprenticeship gain any settlement by a sixth no person by any purchase of which the consideration doth not bona fide amount to thirty shillings shall gain any settlement longer than while he dwells on such purchase so much for these laws of removal concerning which there are several other acts of parliament and law cases innumerable and yet the law itself is as i have said very imperfectly executed at this day and that for several reasons one it is attended with great trouble for as the act of charles the second very wisely requires two justices and the court of king's bench requires them both to be present together though they seldom are so the order of removal is sometimes difficult to be obtained and more difficult to be executed for the parish to which the party is to be removed perhaps with a family is often in a distant county nay sometimes they are to be carried from one end of the kingdom to another it is often attended with great expense as well for the reason aforesaid as because the parish removing is liable to an appeal from the parish to which the poor is removed this appeal is sometimes brought by a wealthy and litigious parish against a poor one without any colour of right whatever three the removal is often ineffectual for as the appeal is almost certain to be brought if an attorney lives in the neighbourhood so is it almost as sure to succeed if a justice lives in the parish and as for relief in the king's bench if the justices of peace will allow you to go thither for that they will not always do the delay as well as the cost is such that the remedy is often worse than the disease for these reasons it can be no wonder that parishes are not very forward to put this law in execution indeed in all cases of removal the good of the parish and not of the public is consulted nay sometimes the good of an individual only and therefore the poor man who is capable of getting his livelihood by his dexterity at any handicraft and likely to do it by his industry is sure to be removed with his family especially if the overseer or any of his relations should be of the same occupation but the idle poor who threaten to rival no man in his business are never taken any notice of till they become actually chargeable and if by begging or robbing they avoid this as it is no man's interest so no man thinks it is his duty to apprehend them it cannot therefore be expected that any good of the kind i am contending for should be effected by this branch of the law let us therefore in the second place take a view of that which is expressly levelled at vagrants and calculated as it appears for the very purpose of suppressing wanderers to survey this branch will be easy as all the laws concerning vagrants are now reduced into one act of parliament and it is the easier still as this act is very clearly penned and which is not always the case reduced to a regular and intelligible method by this act then three degrees of offences are constituted first persons become idle and disorderly within the act by one 
threatening to run away and to leave their wives or children to the parish two unlawfully returning to the place from whence they have been legally removed by the order of two justices without bringing a certificate and three living idle without employment and refusing to work for usual and common wages four by begging in their own parishes secondly persons by one going about as patent gatherers or gatherers of arms under pretence of loss by fire or other casualty or two going about as collectors for prisons jails or hospitals three being fencers and bearwoods four or common players of interludes and five or minstrels jugglers six pretending to be gypsies or wandering in such habit seven pretending to physiognomy or like crafty science and eight using any subtle craft to deceive and impose on any of his majesty's subjects nine playing or sitting at unlawful games ten running away and leaving wives or children whereby they became chargeable to any parish eleven wandering abroad as petty chapmen or peddlers not authorized by law twelve wandering abroad and lodging in alehouses barns outhouses or in the open air not giving a good account of themselves thirteen wandering abroad and begging pretending to be soldiers mariners seafaring men or pretending to go to work at harvest fourteen wandering abroad and begging are to be deemed rogues and vagabonds thirdly one in gatherers offending against the thirteen george one entitled an act for the better regulation of the wooten manufacturers and being convicted of such offence two persons apprehended as rogues and vagabonds escaping or three refusing to go before a justice or four refusing to be examined on oath or five refusing to be conveyed by a pass or six on examination giving a false account of themselves after warning of the punishment seven rogues and vagabonds escaping out of the house of correction or eight those who have been punished as rogues and vagabonds shall offend again as such are made incorrigible rogues now as to the first of these three divisions it were to be wished that persons who are found in alehouses night-houses after a certain hour at night had been included for many such though of very suspicious characters take up at privy searches fall not under any of the above descriptions some of these i have known discharged against whom capital complaints have appeared when it hath been too late why might not the justice be entrusted with the power of detaining any suspicious person who could produce no known housekeeper or one of credit to his character for three days within which time he might by means of an advertisement be viewed by numbers who have been lately robbed some such have been i know confined upon an old statute as persons of evil fame with great emolument to the public but i come to the second head namely of vagabonds and here i must observe that wandering is of itself made no offence so that unless such wanderer be either a petty chapman or a beggar or lodger in alehouses he is not within the act of parliament now however useful this excellent law may be in the country 
it will by no means serve the purpose in this town for though most of the rogues who infest the public roads and streets indeed almost all the thieves in general are vagabonds in the true sense of the word being wanderers from their lawful place of abode very few of them will be proved vagabonds within the words of this act of parliament these vagabonds do indeed get their livelihood by thieving and not as petty beggars or petty chapmen and have their lodging not in alehouses but in private houses where many of them resort together and unite in gangs paying each two pennies per night for their beds the following account i have had from mr welch the high constable of holborn and none who know that gentleman will want any confirmation of the truth of it that in the parish of st giles there are great numbers of houses set apart for the reception of idle persons and vagabonds who have their lodgings there for two pence a night that in the above parish and in st george bloomberry one woman alone occupies seven of these houses all properly accommodated with miserable beds from the cellar to the garret for such twopenny lodgers that in these beds several of which are in the same room men and women often strangers to each other he promiscuously the price of a double bed being no more than three pence as an encouragement to them to be together but as these places are thus adapted to whoredom so are they no less provided for drunkenness gin being sold in them all at a penny a quartern so that the smallest sum of money serves for intoxication that in the execution of search warrants mr welch rarely finds less than twenty of these houses open for the receipt of all comers at the latest hours that in one of these houses and that not a large one he hath numbered fifty-eight persons of both sexes the stench of whom was so intolerable that it compelled him in a short time to quit the place nay i can add what i myself once saw in the parish of Sordich, where two little houses were emptied of nearly seventy men and women amongst whom was one of the prettiest girls i had ever seen who had been carried off by an irishman to consummate her marriage on her wedding night in a room where several others were in bed at the same time if one considers the destruction of all morality decency and modesty the swearing whoredom and drunkenness which is eternally carrying on in these houses on the one hand and the excessive poverty and misery of most of the inhabitants on the other it seems doubtful whether they are more the objects of detestation or compassion for such is the poverty of these wretches that upon searching all the above number the money found upon all of them except the bride who as i afterwards heard had robbed her mistress did not amount to one shilling and i have been credibly informed that a single loaf hath supplied a whole family with their provisions for a week lastly if any of these miserable creatures fall sick and it is almost a miracle that stench vermin and want should ever suffer them to be well they are turned out in the streets by their merciless host or hostess where unless some parish officer of extraordinary charity relieves them they are sure miserably to perish with the addition of hunger and cold to their disease this picture which is taken from the life will appear strange to many for the evil here described is i am confident very little known especially to those of the better sort indeed this is the only excuse and i believe the only reason 
that it hath been so long tolerated for when we consider the number of these wretches which in the outskirts of the town amounts to a great many thousands it is a nuisance which will appear to be big with every moral and political mischief of these the excessive misery of the wretches themselves oppressed with want and sunk in every species of debauchery and the loss of so many lives to the public are obvious and immediate consequences there are some more remote which however need not be mentioned to the discerning among other mischiefs attending this wretched nuisance the great increase of thieves must necessarily be one the wonder in fact is that we have not a thousand more robbers than we have indeed that all these wretches are not thieves must give us either a very high idea of their honesty or a very mean one of their capacity and courage where then is the redress is it not to hinder the poor from wandering and this by compelling the parish and peace officers to apprehend such wanderers or vagabonds and by empowering the magistrate effectually to punish and send them to their habitations thus if we cannot discover or will not encourage any cure for idleness we shall at least compel the poor to starve or beg at home for there it will be impossible for them to steal or rob without being presently hanged or transported out of the way most of these are irish against the importations of whom a severe law was made in the reign of henry the sixth and many of the repeated vagrant acts contained a clause for the same purpose end of section six